Me and Elaine have been here just over a year now. It was a year on the third, I think, or on the fourth. The fourth made a year. And so that means that we're, depending on how you slice it, about halfway through the internship here. And yet I'm still surprised every time the song leader steps down and I realize it's my turn. I always want there to be another song on the first service and there never is. Well, I hope you guys are excited to study through God's word together and learn how we can be a better family of his people. If you want to turn to Acts 20, that's where we're going to be for the majority of this study this morning. Acts chapter 20. I don't know if you can tell by looking at me, but I have never been an elder. Never once, but I have had the privilege of seeing a lot of elders in my time. My grandfather was an elder, my father is an elder, my father-in-law is an elder, and of course I've had the privilege of working with the four elders here. And so in all my time sort of talking to elders and seeing elders work from a short distance, I have come to the conclusion that being an elder is hard work. It's a very, very difficult job. And that's apparent for me, who has never once been an elder. You can just see it. It's a hard task. The problems that come up are difficult and sensitive. The choices you have to make borderline sometimes look impossible. And you have to lead God's people. That's a lot of pressure for a job. And another reason why it's a very difficult job is because there's, a lot, there's not a lot of direct examples that we see of elders working in the scripture. If I want to know what a preacher looks like, I can look at Jesus, I can look at Paul, I can look at Peter, I can look at any of the Old Testament prophets and I can see how a preacher acts, what a preacher says, what a preacher does. If you want to see an elder in action, there's not as many direct examples of that. We've got a lot of principles of what elders should do, the qualifications, as we say, although I don't really like that term, the character descriptions of what an elder looks like, who they are. But if you want to see a direct example, there's not really that many. But Acts 20 is one exception. In Acts 20, we get to see a lot of sort of a peek behind the curtains of who elders are, what they're about, and what their priorities are. And we get to see that through Paul's advice to the Ephesian elders. Now I know anytime that someone starts saying we're going to talk about elders this morning, every single person that's not an elder is like, okay, this lesson's not for me, I can move on. Please don't. And I'm going to say that right now, not just because I want you to hear what I have to say, 
But because I think that if we all get through towards the end of this lesson together, we're going to see this is a, more than, a lot more than just about elders. This lesson's a lot more than just for the four people here that are elders or for the people that are aspiring to be elders someday. This applies to all of us, every single one of us. So if you're in Acts 20, we're going to read there in a second. But before we get there... I want to take just a second to catch ourselves up where we are in the book of Acts. So, we kind of chop up the second half of the book as, of Acts as just Paul is traveling. And that's fair because Paul does a lot of traveling. However... Paul isn't always constantly bouncing around from one town to another nonstop. He takes some pretty decent stops in his journey. One of these sort of rests and works there is in Ephesus. In Acts chapter 19, it says that he was in Ephesus for two years, or at least in the area around Ephesus for two years. So it's not like when Paul's talking to these elders, they barely know who he is. They just met him a couple weeks ago. They know who Paul is. They've worked with Paul for years. He is, for all intents and purposes, part of the family, or at least the extended family in Ephesus. He was very much familiar with who they were, what they were about, what the congregation needed. These aren't two sets of strangers talking to each other. The other thing that's important about that is that um, Paul is now traveling again. Paul's going back on what we call his third missionary journey, and he's trying desperately to get back to Jerusalem in a hurry. And so he passes by Ephesus. He's at a place called Miletus. It's about, I don't know, 50, 60 miles away. From what I read, if you're walking, that's about a five-day journey. So he's passing by, and he says, I've got something to say to the church at Ephesus before I leave, and I want to say it in person to their elders. So Paul's going to call them over to where he's at, about a four- or five-day journey, and he's like, here's the last message that I'm going to be able to give you in person. So this is important. This is urgent and it's from Paul to these elders. So, if you want to pick up the story with me, we're going to pick up in verse 17. We're going to start reading in verse 17. Now, from Miletus, Paul sent to Ephesus and called the elders of the church to come to him. And when they came to him, he said to them, You yourselves know how I lived among you the whole time from the first day I set foot in Asia, serving the Lord with all humility and with tears and with trials that happened to me through the plots of the Jews. How I did not shrink from declaring to you anything that was profitable and teaching you in public and from house to house, testifying both to Jews and to Greeks of repentance towards God and, and of faith in our Lord Jesus Christ. And now, behold, I am going to Jerusalem, constrained by the Spirit, not knowing what will happen to me there, except that the Holy Spirit testifies to me in every city that imprisonment and afflictions await me. 
But I do not account my life of any value, nor as precious to myself, if only I may finish my course and the ministry that I received from the Lord Jesus to testify to the gospel, uh, uh, to the gospel of the grace of God. And now behold, I know that none of you among whom I have gone about proclaiming the kingdom will see my face again. Therefore, I testify to you this day that I am innocent of the blood of all. And I did not shrink from declaring to you the whole counsel of God. And we're going to take a break right there. That's kind of the halfway point in this message. So I want you to imagine for one second, you are one of the Ephesian elders. You know Paul. You worked with him for a long time. And Paul calls you, he said, hey, I have something really important to tell you. You got to come out five day journey. So you pack up, you leave Ephesus, you leave the church for a little bit and you go over to where Paul is. And then everyone sits down and Paul's like, "Okay, here's what I did when I was in Ephesus. I worked hard. I was humble. I taught the gospel. I did this. I did that. That's a little bit of a strange way to start this sort of meeting. Paul, you brought me over here five days to tell me what you did? I know what you did. I was there. I saw the whole thing. Paul says you yourselves saw this. They already knew all of this. So Paul's big important thing that he just had to share face to face, he starts by saying, I was a servant. I served humbly. I served boldly. I taught. I taught the whole gospel to everyone who would listen publicly and privately, Jew and Gentile. I was teaching and serving all day, every day. I didn't hurt anyone. I didn't defraud anyone. I didn't push anyone away from the gospel. I just showed myself to be a loving servant to all the brethren in Ephesus and the surrounding region. And we have to ask, why? Paul, why are you telling us this? And I think he answers that question in the next section. But I want you to keep that question in your mind. So if you want to read with me, we're going to start back in verse 28. Pay careful attention to yourselves and to all the flock in which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to care for the church of God, which he obtained with his own blood. I know that after my departure, fierce wolves will come in among you, not sparing the flock. And from among your own selves will arise men speaking twisted things to draw away the disciples after them. Therefore, be alert and remembering that for three years I did not cease night or day to admonish everyone with tears. And now I commend you to God and to the word of his grace, which is able to build you up and to give you the inheritance among all those who are sanctified. I coveted no one's silver or gold or apparel. And you yourself know that these hands ministered to my necessities and to those who were with me. In all things, I have shown you that by working hard in this way, we must help the weak and remember the words of the Lord Jesus and how he himself said, it is more blessed to give 
than to receive. And we're going to take another break right there. So first, we need to see what is so urgent about this message. Why it's so important. And it's so important because bad times are coming. Paul says there are people that are going to come from the outside world and they are going to try to devour the congregation. They are going to try to tear apart God's people. And I imagine just kind of extrapolating a little bit that Paul's probably referring to some sort of big persecution or pressure from the world that is coming to Ephesus. I think that's a pretty safe assumption, especially what we read about Ephesus later in scripture. But notice that that's not the only place threats are coming from. Because that's sort of standard, right? Almost everywhere you see a church mentioned in the scripture, there is some sort of pressure to varying degrees from the outside. That's pretty standard. But also, the threats aren't just from the outside. He said, men are going to arise from among you. Now, I don't really know if that means from among the congregation or if that means specifically from among the elders. I tend to think that it's probably just among the congregation. But either way, there are going to be people from the family of Ephesus that are going to rise up and they are going to try to pervert God's word, teach false teaching, and to tear apart the unity of the congregation. Some of God's own people are going to try to tear the family of God apart and lead other Christians away. So Paul says, bad times are coming where you are surrounded by threats from the outside and from the inside. But... Notice what he emphasizes again, what he did. He says, remember that for three years I did not cease night or day to admonish everyone with tears. He comes back over and over again to his example. And then Paul says in verse 35, In all things, I have shown you that by working hard in this way, we must help the weak. And remember the words of the Lord Jesus. And that's where it all comes back to. Because if you kind of look at this and you're not really paying attention, it seems like Paul's just kind of bragging about everything that he was able to get done in his time at Ephesus. You could read that on a first glance. Paul said, I did this, I did that, I did this, I worked hard. You guys saw it. We all know it. And that's not the point. Paul's not trying to brag. Paul's not just mentioning this just for the sake of it. The entire point is you saw it, so now you can do it. You saw my example, learn from it, and put it to work. You see, the culmination of all of this isn't Paul saying all these great things about himself. He's saying, I taught everyone, so you teach everyone. I showed empathy to everyone, especially to the weak. You show empathy. 
He said, I worked hard, so you work hard. I was selfless, you be selfless. Paul's saying, you want an example of what an elder looks like? I know I'm not an elder, but here's the example. Here's where it is. Follow what I did when I was among you. Paul is putting himself up, what he did for his three years in Ephesus, and saying, here is what your work should look like. And maybe it's a little bit different than what we normally think of when we think of elders. Because a lot of times when we think of elders, we kind of skip straight towards the qualifications. And then we stop it there. We said, all right, we read the qualifications. We know everything there is to know about elders. We've got it. Lockdown. Paul says, that's just the beginning. Look at what I did. Look how active I was. Look how caring I was. Look how much of a servant I was. That's how you can be an elder. If you want to finish the story with me, we're going to be in verses 36 through 38. Um, It says, And when he had said these things, he knelt down and prayed with them all. And there was much weeping on the part of all. And they embraced Paul and kissed him, being sorrowful most of all, because the word he had spoken that they would not see his face again. And they accompanied him to the ship. I probably could have included these verses with the last section. They don't really add sort of another classic preacher talking point, but I just want to emphasize the love these brothers had for each other, the care that they showed to each other. Because I think sometimes, I don't know if it's as much of a problem anymore, but I think when I was growing up, I always thought that to be a proper leader, to be the man that I was supposed to be, there's no emotion ever. You're stoic, you get your work done, and that's it. That's not the kind of leadership Paul and these elders showed. You didn't have to guess whether they cared for each other. You didn't have to guess whether they cared for the congregation. They were torn up over these things. And it says they're torn up over things. I assume part of it is the persecution and the threats that are coming. But it says most of all, the thing that hurt them the most out of this whole address was that they weren't going to see Paul again. That they were going to have to face these threats separately. And I think that's just a good model of the sort of care and love and connection that we are supposed to have in the church. It should hurt us when people have to leave. I think it does. But don't be afraid to acknowledge that. Don't be afraid to be upset when members from our family have to leave. Because they are family. We say the church is a family a lot. We like hearing that. But do you act like it? Do you really feel like these people are your family? Because if so, that's going to change how you act toward them. And it needs to. It has to.
All right, so that's Acts 20. We don't really talk about this section a lot. I think a lot of times we skip over a lot of sections about elders or deacons or anything because that only applies to a small number of us, right? But I think there's a lot of principles that all of us can take from this passage. But I am going to first start with talking to elders and aspiring elders. Don't zone out. We're going to come back to the rest of you in a second. But we're going to start with the elders here. So we talked about earlier, there aren't a whole lot of direct biblical examples of what an elder looks like in action. So to elders and aspiring elders, here is a pattern you can follow. Here it is. And notice, it's not what sometimes we think of when we think of elders. Sometimes, some congregations, and I don't think this is one of those congregations. If it is, we need to talk. But some congregations have the idea that elders are almost like backroom, boardroom executives who they make decisions on finances and building repair, and they're sort of disconnected from everything else that happens. I was once a a member of a congregation in college, and I was a member there for a year before I knew who the elders were. The congregation was only about 100 people. It wasn't like I was just getting lost in the crowd. I knew we had elders, but none of the other college kids knew who they were either. It took me a year to meet who the elders were. And I was a member. What kind of shepherding is that? Now, luckily, that problem's fixed. There's a, they're a healthy congregation now. But during that time where the elders were sort of in the back room and everyone else was the others, how effective do you think their evangelism was? How effective do you think their teaching was? How effective do you think anything that congregation did was? Not very, because they didn't have leadership there with them. The old phrase that I'm sure you guys have heard before is a shepherd smells like sheep. And why? Because they're there with them. They're not leading them from 500 yards, a mile ahead. They're leading them from within. They know the sheep, right? That's what it says about Jesus, our good shepherd. It's what it says about God. He knows all the sheep and he cares about all the sheep. And there's the example. And Paul says the same thing. Paul says, look, I was there. I was working. I was serving. I was teaching. I was leading. It was all right there. You guys all saw it. Now go and do the same. Paul says, here's how you can be an effective elder. Start forming those relationships. Start being with the sheep. Encourage them. If there's any encouraging to be done, elders should be a part of it. 
If there's any teaching to be done, elders should be a part of it. If there's any serving to be done, elders should be a part of it. Even if they're not directly involved, they should know about it and they should be involved in it. That's Paul's example. Night and day, I was working constantly for the group. You see why the job's difficult? Paul's example and advice to elders is be active and get to work. And that works a lot bigger than what you think it is. But I'm not an elder. Most of us aren't. In fact, like we said, there's only four people in that room that I applies to right now, but this study's for a lot more than just four of us. Because most of us are never going to be elders. But here's the twist. This all applies to us too. Because remember, in 1 Corinthians 11, Paul just finished a section about being sacrificial and humble. He talked about eating food sacrificed to idols. And he says, a Christian's love, it has to be completely selfless. It has to be completely humble. It has to be active and alert and giving. And then Paul says in 1 Corinthians 11:1, be imitators of me as I am of Christ. And at first glance, that doesn't really fit in the context of what he's saying. Because he's, he's talking about food sacrifice to idols, and then he talks about head coverings, and that sentence is just kind of jammed in between. It's kind of like what we were talking about in Acts 20. What are you doing, Paul? What, is this hap- what do you have to do with any of this? And just like what we talked about earlier... Paul says, you guys know me. You guys know that I love in a sacrificial way. You know that I'm willing to give up whatever I have to for you guys. I'm willing to give up whatever I have to for the family of God. I'm willing to love and serve in humility like Jesus was. So go out and do the same thing. Get to work. And in some way, that's the same sort of message that Paul has here. Now, Paul's message in Acts 20 might be a little more specific in guarding the congregation, something that the, act, the average Christian isn't, it doesn't have to do. But Paul's message, he says, I gave up everything and served humbly. I loved people. I wasn't greedy. I worked for them. That's a message that applies to each and every one of us, whether you're an elder or not. Paul says if there's encouraging to be done, you get to work encouraging. If there's serving to be done, you get to work serving. Maybe even try your hand at doing some teaching, whether it's helping others in the congregation or maybe it's even in an evangelistic setting. If there's work to be done, we as a Christian should be willing to do it. Now, that's going to look different for elders than it does for us. 
But I think sometimes we like to read passages like this and we like to sit back and say, well, at least I'm not an elder. I don't have to do any of that. That's not the message of Acts 20. If all you walk away from Acts 20 saying, wow, being an elder is hard and you never look back and say, oh, I'm supposed to live the same way then you've missed the point. Because in 1 Corinthians 11, Paul says, just as I followed the example of Jesus, you can follow my example. Or here you could say, just as the elders followed the example of Paul who follows Jesus, and you can kind of work through that if you want. But the idea is, just as Paul was serving in love and humility... That's what you're supposed to do too. This message isn't just to the people that you see up front giving announcements. This message isn't just to the people that have to go to the meetings in the back. It's for all of us. Get to work encouraging and serving and teaching the family here. We said earlier that it takes healthy elders to lead a healthy congregation. That's true. But for healthy Christians does not mean a healthy congregation. We all have to take responsibility. We all have to get to work the same way, following Paul's example. So even if you're, ne- if you're never going to be an elder... Be connected to the brethren here. Treat them like your family. Show love and care to them. Get involved in serving and encouraging. Because if all of us, every single one of us, follow Paul's example, follow Christ's example of that love and service to others, if we don't just apply it to the people up front... But if we all are dedicated to loving and serving in that way, reflecting God's light, we're going to be a strong, healthy, active congregation. If all of us are willing to put in the work, we will be strong. And that's important because Paul says threats are coming. I don't know what those threats are going to look like. I'm not one of those preachers that tries to predict what's going to happen in the world. I'm not a prophet. But what I do know is at some point, something is going to be a threat to Fairview Park Church of Christ. We're in a good time right now. We're in a real good time. And I'm happy to be here. But don't go to sleep while times are good. Because if that's what the Ephesian elders did... Here, they would have missed the whole point. Paul says, hey, things might be good in Ephesus right now. Now's the time to get to work. Now's the time to be alert. Now's the time to be ready. So that when those threats from the outside, so that when those threats from the inside come, you guys are already strong and united and connected. So my message here is whether you're an elder or not, Whether you think Fairview's facing some sort of threat or not, I don't care. Get to work. All of us. That's the message 
of Acts 20 for us. So let's pray now and then be dismissed to our classes. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for passing down so many great examples to us that we can apply to our lives and follow. Thank you for Paul's example. And thank you most of all for the example of Jesus, the ultimate and perfect example of love and humility and service to others. We pray now for our elders. Thank you for these men that have aspired to this role. Thank you for the love and the service that they show and for the work that they do. Help them to continue to grow both in connection to the family here and ultimately in their walk with you. Bless them with wisdom and boldness and love and help this congregation to support them and to grow with them and alongside them. Help us all to follow the same example that was set by Jesus. Help us to be an active family. Let our works of service and encouragement and teaching and love be apparent and be continual. Help us to push ourselves to grow in you. Please put our hands to your work and give us the strength to do your will and give us comfort when it's hard. We pray all this in your son, our perfect example's name. Amen.